0: Hello, this is AR Bernard and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. You know, I need hope that does not deny reality but teaches me how to navigate reality because there's some hope out there that denies reality. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? Like just, you know, think positive and it'll all go away. Uh-uh. How many know uh-uh? So I want hope that teaches me how to navigate reality, how to deal with life as it has become in this fallen state until Jesus completes the redemption of. Humanity. You've heard it several times tonight. We spend our lives entering and leaving. And how we leave determines how we enter. How we leave relationships, spaces, things, people, situations, circumstances, how we leave them, the mindset determines how we enter. Because if we don't leave correctly, we'll take the error with us wherever we're going into the next relationship. So New Year's Eve is a wonderful opportunity to reflect on the the past and set our minds into the future. On our radio show, The Rev and the Rabbi, comes on every Sunday morning, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik and I. I've been on the air for six years doing this radio show. And I was talking about the juxtaposition between Christmas and New Year's. Because New Year's, which is based on a pagan holiday ritual and tradition, and it's really about trying to set your mind to do better in the year ahead. So it's man's attempt to do better. And that's where the New Year's resolutions come from. Because we're always, we're we're resolving that we're gonna do better, be better, experience better. How many know about those resolutions? How long do they last? Yeah, by spring, everything thaws out. (laughs) How true that is. And that's because we're doing it in our own strength in response to what we have to deal with in life. But the juxtaposition of Christmas, Christmas is God entering human history and giving us his strength to do better. So it's interesting how we celebrate it just a week apart. We move from God's intervention in human history to man's attempt to focus and refocus and change what he cannot, and that is himself. Only God can do that. So here we are, and where would I be on New Year's Eve? I'm in church tonight, leaving the old year and entering the new year in fellowship, in prayer, in worship, in celebration, and most importantly, in gratitude, in gratitude, and an attitude of gratitude is how we should always live our lives. So I want to give some shout-outs tonight. Can I do that very quickly? I got 30 minutes they gave me. I just work for the company now. I've I moved from the senior CEO pastor to the founding pastor. You founded it. We'll take it from here. To the longtime members of Christian Cultural Center, sincerely, whether you're here in the building or watching online, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you for your love and your fidelity. Come on, let's give a round of applause. We take that for granted when people are committed to one church family and one church community in, in, in a context that is so human. You know, I tell people when, who joined the church, I said, you haven't joined the church, you haven't really become part of the community just because you fill out the application and go through the classes. No, it's when you run into a problem in the parking lot, the lobby, and you want to leave and you decide to stay a member, now you've joined the church. <laughs> Crisis tells a story. Amen? Amen. And, and this is important, fidelity, because we live in a time where fidelity is not uh, a priority. We live in a time where many people, you know, uh, it's about... Placing convenience over commitment. I'll say it again. Placing convenience over commitment. So when things, relationships, whatever, becomes inconvenient, all right, they'll cancel it. They'll replace it. They'll leave it. Because we moved away from this understanding of the importance of commitment. It's true in relationships with everything and everybody. And and. You know, that's just the way it is. So I want to appreciate our uh, longtime members. And we have members that have been here for 30, 35 years. You know, I, I came about 20 years ago. <laughs> to our staff, I want to say thank you to our staff. Those who tirelessly give their time, their talent, their treasury to be a part of this ministry. And to give you the experience that you have and can take for granted when you come into this building and all you see that experience. And of course, those who've been added to our staff over the last several years. Of course, Darwin Hobbs and Israel, uh, being a part of our spiritual family permanently. Glad to have him with us. You're gonna hear from him and his lovely wife and Camp Newbreed later. Um, Gratitude to my 90-year-old mom, who is in person, in the building tonight. You know, thank you, mom, for I knew she'd stand up, that's my mom, but thank you mom for the sacrifice that you made to be the vessel to bring me into the world, I love and appreciate you. Thank you to my family, my family who along with me have made many sacrifices for ministry. You don't realize that the whole family is called into ministry because everybody's affected by it. And my family has to live within certain boundaries because I am who I am. And we often don't think about that. And I love what my wife told the congregation early on. Let my children grow normally. Don't put pressure on them just because they're the pastor's children. Because you'll turn them away from the very thing that their dad is called to. And their family is called to. So she told him, leave him alone or you have to deal with me. <laughs> you know, and I appreciate that. And most importantly, thank you to my wife, Karen, where we celebrated 50 years of marriage this year. And thank you for the shout out to you, baby. I know you're watching from home. You know, someone asked me what is the secret to longevity in relationship, and it's two words adapt and adjust. And if you don't know how to adapt and adjust, you will not experience longevity. Adjusting is to those little things that happen along the way. Adapting is to those major things that eternally alter the relationship in ways that you have to really change your interaction, et cetera. So she's been a trooper. She is God's gift to me, um, a gift of love, accountability. and an expression of God's generous grace for my life and the calling that's upon my life. So I know you're watching. Thank you, baby. I love you. All right, so since I'm not good at that stuff, let's move along. (laughs) I got a, a call from TBN, and they asked, what is the word? What's, what's happening? What do I see God doing? And I shared with them our word for next year, 2023. Every year we have a word, right? And usually the big reveal is tonight, but I got staff who pressured me, and they wanted to set it all up, so you know by now, that our word is renewal, renewal. Uh, in a religious context, the word revival is used. And our text is Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I do a new thing. Don't judge by the old, because I'm going to do something new. And I believe that coming out of COVID, um, this very serious disruption, uh, you know, social, political, economic, emotional disruption, you know, renewal is what is the word for us for next year. So you'll see everything around that word renewal. Let me read the paragraph that I was asked to put together and submit to TBN because of something else that we'll be doing. Renewal is, and you've heard me say this again, the reawakening of passion, creativity, fervor, and creativity. Passion, fervor, and creativity towards purpose. Say it again. Renewal is the reawakening of passion, fervor, Creativity towards purpose. It usually occurs after a severe disruption of your personal life or the social order. And we've experienced a severe disruption. Everything that God does, he does according to a what? Come on, CCC, according to a what? Yeah. Pattern and based on a yeah. principle. So the pattern is that after a severe disruption, right? Societal disruption, disruption at every level, what should we expect from, from God? We should expect renewal. He breathes on us the breath of renewal. And the spirit of renewal inspires us individually, and it inspires us collectively as a society, as groups, as churches, as communities, et cetera. And we know that renewal takes place on five levels, personal, relational, Renewal of purpose, structural renewal, and cultural renewal. Because what begins with the individual spreads out and touches and transforms the culture. So we're going to see it from an individual to a cultural uh, level next year. When I talk about the signs of the times in greater detail, I'm going to talk about the signs of the times as a manifestation of the activity of God and the activity of, of, of lawlessness in society. And how do we identify that? But here's a line that I really want to share with you. Renewal is God giving us a window of opportunity for change. You need to write that down. Renewal is God giving us a window of opportunity for change. Okay. Say it one more time. Renewal is God giving us a window of opportunity for change. And guess what? If God gives you a window of opportunity for change, you know what you need to do. Change. Got that right? I'm done. Ready for the benediction. You need to do what? Change. change. It's very simple. It's simple. Not easy. How many know that simple things can be quite difficult because of all that it takes in order to make it happen, to step into it? So, I want to talk a little bit about time and then give you three things that you need to take with you, three things that you need (laughs) for a successful 2023 and a successful life. Can I give you that? Okay, so we will speed it up. Clock is ticking. So let me, let me give you a, a definition of time. Time is essentially the occurrence of events, right? So time management is event management. When you, managing time is simply managing the events of your life. And everything is an event. Brushing your teeth is what? An event. And how do you manage it? Do you manage it? Absolutely. You make sure every morning you what? Or at least you should brush your teeth. So everything is an event. And the reason why we have calendars is so that we can manage the events of our lives. Amen? And thank God for technology. And if you don't have technology, you need to use it, right? Uh, Old versus new technology, I won't get into that, but time is the occurrence of events. Time management is the management of events or event management. You can bring the future under control, right? Just by putting it into your calendar. I never forget when Pastor Karen saw her name in my daytimer. How many remember daytimer? Uh, you millennials don't know what that is. OK um, So she saw her name in my daytimer, simply was a paper calendar. And she said, what is, what, "What's my name doing in your calendar?" And you know. She said, why do you have to put me in your calendar to remember me? And just, just instinctively I responded, baby, everything important to me goes into my calendar. Now, I don't know where that came from, but I'm glad it came. Because I scored some big points which I'm gonna to have to explain because she's watching this right now when I get home. But it's true, it, it, it was true, it was a statement of truth. Things that are important to me, I want to make sure that I don't miss them. I wanna make sure that I use whatever tool available to me to make sure that I engage what's important to me. Amen? Time is also A measurable period occupied by events, processes, actions, uh, conditions that change or continue. Because how many know everything doesn't change right away, but everything does change? Which leads me to the most important definition I want to give you of time. And, And this is important, right? And I'm going to elaborate on this throughout the year. Time is the measurement of change. Time is the measurement of change. You've heard change is the only what? Constant in life. It's the essence of maturation. Change is the only constant because everything in the universe except God is going through some kind of Change. Did you hear that? The reason why God is eternal is because he's changeless. I'm going to try that one more time. The reason why God is eternal is because he's changeless. If time is a measurement of change, time cannot relate to God because God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has no beginning and no end because he is the beginning and the end. Everything in the universe is subject to change except God. So he is the only eternal being. And in him we live and move and have our being, our existence, how many understand this? So the reason why God is eternal is because he's changeless. And that's why when, when, when Moses stopped to ask God, who shall I say sent me? What did he say? Tell him I am that I am, which means that I am the self-sufficient, self-existent one. I am. I exist. I just am without any qualifications whatsoever. I just am. Do you understand who you're dealing with, folks? And see, this is important that God is changeless. God is impassable. And we don't have the time to get into the details of impassibility. But for, suffice it to say that God doesn't go through the changes that humans go through. So when you go to him, he is consistently who he is. Love, life, and light. You don't have to go to him wondering if, his, if he's still dealing with your last mess up. Come on, because when we offend someone, we're a little nervous going to them because we know that they are aware. All right, sometimes overly aware of what took place in terms of injury or sin. So turn your neighbor, say, neighbor. Time is the measurement of change. So time is a gift to us from God. Remember, in Genesis chapter 1, verses uh, 14 and 15, he set lights, he set it up for what? Seasons, for days, for years. What was that? It was the gift of what? Time. What was he giving us? A measurement, a chronological measurement in which events, situations, circumstances, processes, etc. will occur. He gave us a chronology. In fact, after the disruption of the earth by the great flood, what did God say? There will be. Don't worry. There will be once again. Seed time, harvest time, cold, hot, winter, summer. In other words, the things that were set in place will continue and you can depend on them. So change is a gift and time is a gift. Turn to your neighbor. Get a new neighbor. Say, neighbor. Time is the measurement of change. So for us who change and go through changes and need to change, when we think of time, what should we be thinking of? Change. What has changed? What needs to change? These are important questions. Let me give you some passages. You can write them down. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, verse 8. We're not going to go to it. Uh, Deuteronomy 2, 3, and Three through eight. Deuteronomy 2, chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. All right. Here's what captures the essence of that. The children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. And what does God say to them? He taps them and he says, hey, you've, you've circled this mountain long enough. How many remember the passage? You've circled this mountain long enough. So time is a measurement of change. The, the measurement of effort and results. Time is a measurement of effort and results. And if you keep putting in a lot of effort and getting results that you don't want, you need to change what you've been doing. They say insanity is doing the same thing the same way and expecting different results. Right? So time is a measurement of effort and what? Results. Time is a measurement of, come on, effort and results. In Luke chapter 13, I'll talk you through it. Chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, Jesus comes to a particular tree, right? And it's not being productive. And he says, cut it down. And the caretaker, and look at what he says. He says, three years I've been coming, looking for fruit, and there hasn't been any fruit. Therefore, cut it down. Got it? Time, measuring productivity. So time is not only a measure of effort and result, time is also a measure of productivity. And the text really is summarized in these words. There must be change. There must be change. There must be progress in reasonable time. There must be what? Come on. Change. There must be progress in reasonable time. So evidently three years was reasonable time for that tree to produce. And it wasn't producing. And and Jesus in the parable said what? Cut it down. But the caretaker who represents mercy said, well, no, let's dung it. Let's fertilize it, give it another year, and see if it produces. And if it doesn't produce, then cut it down. That's called grace. I mean, no, oh, we need a little bit more, a little more grace. So time is a measure of productivity. All right? Hebrews chapter, thir- chapter 13, verse 14. We're gonna go to that one. We gotta go to that one. Hebrews 13, 14, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. Hebrews 5, 13. My bad. Hebrews 5, 13. For everyone, reading from the Amplified Bible, for everyone who lives on milk, boy, I would love to unpack this if we, I probably have to, because there is more milk being given as gospel in the world in which we live. It's it's food for infants. You turn on the radio, no offense to so many preachers out there. All right? But you you can't you can't live off dessert. All right, I behave. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a what? spiritual infant if you don't have it on your phone or your device it's up on the screen he is a spiritual what infant but solid food come on solid food listen if you're an infant what are you gonna do with a good steak gum it <laughs> solid food is for who the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by what practice to distinguish between what is, morally. come on, morally good and what is evil. and what is evil, what is morally evil. So change, all right, time is a measurement of change, it's a measurement of effort and result, the me- measurement of productivity, it's also the measurement of growth. Time is a measurement of growth. The apostle Paul said, said, You should be teachers, but instead you need someone to feed you still. You are a babe. In other words, it's time to grow up. And I love Luke 2.52. Let me give that to you. All right. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and gained favor with God and man. Jesus what? Grew. You could spend the rest of the year just just meditating, reflecting, and studying that. Jesus grew. What does it mean to grow What does it mean to grow? What are the elements of growth? What is the environment necessary for healthy growth? How many know that all growth is not good growth? And Jesus grew. Are you growing? See, CCC is a growing church. We grow you. And that means that often you can feel uncomfortable. How many have ever felt uncomfortable in their growth? Yeah. Yeah. In this book, great book called Four Things Women Want from Iran, written by A.R. Bernard, <laughs> one of the questions that he surveyed many women was, you know, what's, the, what's, what's one of the big issues with, with, with the guy in your life? And I cannot tell you how many women said, I just wish he'd grow up. Wow. Which means they want him to take what? Responsibility. For his words, his actions, his thoughts, his motives. They want him to have decorum. Did you hear that, men? That was free. Everything, as I said before, everything and everyone in the universe changes except God. God's eternal because he doesn't change, right? He has no beginning. Here three things that I want to share with you in the few minutes that they've given me. And I've had to use this judicially, all right? Three things you need to have for 2023. And I'll tell you what, these three things you need for the rest of your life. Are you ready? Three things. Okay, come on. All right, try that again. Three things. Number one, God's favor. I just told you, you need. These are three things you need. Say need. Need. All right, this is not a menu. (laughs) You don't say I'll take number two and number three, no. You need all three of what I'm about to give you. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you need all three about what he's. All three. It says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and gained favor with God and man. Favor. You know what favor is? You know. Let me ask you a question. Does God have favorites? What happened to all you blessed and highly favored folks in here? Does God have favorites? Yeah He has no respect of person in that he's gonna judge justly regardless of an individual But does he give preferred treatment to some folks? Yeah, it begins with those who are in Christ. Yes. Otherwise, you need, to stop, you need to stop walking around saying, I'm blessed and highly favored. How y'all doing? Blessed and highly favored. Stop it. Shut it down. Yes. How many believe that you are favored by God? Yes. You know another word for favor, in, biblically speaking? Grace. Yes. How many are in God's grace? Yes. How many have God's grace extended to them? It means that you are special. Favor is the special kindness extended to us by others, but especially by God. I remember going to uh, a place that I, I was invited, and I didn't have a ticket. When we got to the door, a friend of mine who invited me we got to the door, they stopped, stopped us, and they said, where's your ticket? And he simply said, he's with me. What do you call that? Yeah. See, favor is, is what puts you in places that you wonder how you get there, got there, or other people wonder how you got there. I mean, come on, how many have gotten to places where you wonder how you got there, or you know that you know that you know God, God opened that door of opportunity. You need God's what? Come on. Favor. The whole idea of favor especially comes from those who have power and influence. And they extend that favor towards you. And they don't have to know this. I'm going to tell y'all. All favor originates with God and is delivered through people. I'm going to try that one more time. All favor. Did I say all? Am I speaking in absolute terms here? You better believe it. All favor, all grace. Because he's made all grace to abound towards us. All grace, all favor originates with God and is delivered through people. Let me give you a simple text. Luke six thirty eight. Is that familiar? Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? You got to get that. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Favor, favor, favor originates with God, originates God and is delivered through people. Love the passage in the book of Acts where God says, I've got some people in that city. Did you all hear that? When God's favor is upon you, you occupy a preferred status with God. Is that biblical? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Genesis 39, too. You ready? Genesis chapter 39. Some of you have gotten that far in your reading, Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was what? With and he and he even though a slave. Which means your personal condition doesn't doesn't hinder God from delivering his favor to you. Even though he, even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Did you hear what that just said? What I I just read to you? Did you hear it? The Lord was with him, and he became a what? Successful and prosperous man. Why? Because God was with him. God extended his what? favor. So when God's favor is upon you, regardless of your condition or situation, that favor can elevate you. That favor will make you successful because it'll open doors for you or bring opportunities your way or resources your way. Oh, I'm trying to get there. I'm tr- I, 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 the, clock, the clock is squeezing me here. Exodus chapter 3, Exodus 3, 21. Exodus chapter 3, verse 21. Verse 20, let's, you know the Exodus, the story of Egypt, right? And the children of Israel. So I will reach out my hand, Verse 20, I'll reach out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will, here's a verse, and I will grant this people what? Come on, talk back to me, church. I will grant this people what? And respect in the sight of the Egyptians. Therefore, it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. Gave them values and possessions so that they went to the wilderness. They didn't go out there broken poor. Listen, folks, God always anticipates your need. Did God send wise men, magi, to see the baby Jesus? Or should I say the infant Jesus? Because that time he was a, it was a young child, right? And what did they do? They brought valuable gifts. Why? Well, he was going to have to flee into Egypt. He needed some money to get there. (laughs) Which was reminiscent of the Israelites fleeing Egypt to get to the promised land. They needed money to get there. Oh, come on. You got to read this book. You got to read between the lines. God's favor will result in elevation Joseph, in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. Just write it down. All right. Here, let me give you another, another text very quickly. All right? Because we've got incredible concert waiting. Are you ready? The Apostle Paul, and you're familiar with this. The Apostle Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, he prayed three times for God to deliver him from a situation, right? A thorn in the flesh. And what did God say? My grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in your what? In your weakness. In other words, all right, notice my grace, my favor is sufficient. In other words, my favor can do for you what you cannot achieve through your own efforts. Because Paul was trying on his own. He got frustrated, so he cried out to God, and God said, I'm not going to give you the miracle that you're asking for, but I'm going to show you how my favor can work in this situation that you're in. Now, let me just tell you, with the blessing of God's favor comes responsibility, the responsibility to favor others, to be a blessing to others. I'm going to unpack this later in the year. But number two, you need God's wisdom. You need God's wisdom. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3 very quickly. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Proverbs 3, 13. Are you there? Okay. Happy. Blessed, considered fortunate to be admired is the man who finds skillful and godly wisdom and the man who gains an understanding and insight learning from God's word and life's experiences. For wisdom's profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain is better than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and nothing you can wish for compares with her in value. Now here's the list, you ready? Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are highways of pleasantness and favor, and all her paths are peace. Did you get the list? Wisdom gives you what? Long life, riches, honor, pleasure, and peace. You got all that? What does wisdom give you? Come on. Long life. Riches, honor, pleasure, and peace. And peace there, shalom, means wholeness. Wholeness. And last, last, you need courage. You need courage. Courage. What did God tell Joshua? Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, when he was taking over from Moses, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will, be, will have what? Good success. What's the key word? Be strong and very what? Courageous. You need courage. Courage is the ability to face struggle and hardship with confidence. Because your soul is anchored in your trust in God and God's favor and God's wisdom. you get it? What three things do you need? God's favor, God's wisdom, courage. Courage to admit your need for God. Courage to face reality courage to make decisions how many know some decisions you're going to be making in the year ahead are going to they're going to challenge you they're going to challenge your confidence I'm being prophetic here some of the decisions that you're going to have to make in 2023 are going to challenge your confidence you're going to need what I can't hear you're going to need what Yes, you need courage, number one, to admit need because some people are afraid to admit that they have a need. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to say, I need help. And some people will stay in a broken and wounded situation because they refuse to admit they need help. It takes courage to admit need, it takes courage to face reality, it takes courage to make decisions. It takes courage to seize opportunities. Guess what? Some opportunities, God's favor is going to bring you away. Wisdom is going to bring you away. And you're going to be scared out of your wits. It's going to take courage to seize that opportunity. Especially when God shows you you're thinking too small. How many have been guilty of that? That's right. Now unto him who was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think or imagine according to the power that works within us. If we could think it, God can do more. It takes courage to seize opportunities. It's going to take courage to seize opportunities that are going to come your way. It's going to take courage to face change. And change is the only constant. It's going to take courage to face change. It's going to take courage to hope. How many of you know you can't hope if you're weak? Hope takes Courage. It takes courage to believe the best instead of the worst. And lastly, it takes courage to walk by faith and not by sight. Time is a measure of change. So a year from now is going to be New Year's Eve 2023. And the question will be, did you make full use of the year, the time that God gave you? And do you have the change to show for it? Are you with me? Now, let me tell you something about the man who went to a, a, a vending machine, put money in there, the money wouldn't come back to him. He got mad and kicked the machine and, and, and beat up on the machine. All right? And then someone came and, pointed to a sign that was on the machine. It said, out of order. The moral is, you can't get change from something that's out of order. If your life is out of order, if your relationships are out of order, if what you're doing is out of order, don't expect godly change. Don't expect God's favor. Don't expect God's wisdom. Don't expect the courage that God gives you, because you are out of order. And I'm going to quit right here. We've got a wonderful year ahead, and it's up to you what you do with this year. Amen? Amen. And now we have a wonderful opportunity ahead, and I'm going to move out of the way so we can continue this part of it, and that is celebrating, celebrating life. Amen? Can I pray over you for next year? Father, thank you for a people whose hearts are open to truth, open to your word of life, looking for your favor, looking for your wisdom, and looking, looking for your hand at work, and then taking the courage to seize the opportunities, to face reality, to face the goodness that you're going to bring to them. Bless us, Father, as we enter the new year with power, with a word, with gratitude, with celebration of life, for the things that you're about to do. I pray a special anointing upon every hearer of my voice. I pray it in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless them, Father. Touch them in a new way. Let them experience you in a new way. That's my prayer. And I thank you in advance. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Happy New Year, family. Much love to you from Pastor Karen and I. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.